Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. Good afternoon, everyone. Chuck Bonnell, Julie Hayden, True Straight Up, brought to you by... Brought to you by AmericaCitizenPress.com, excuse me, in Denver, Cynogenics, and Dr. Julie McCallan. I um, hope everybody had a great Mother's Day. I did. Um, and Chuck and Rev did a great job, got some nice candles and things, um, which is always kind of fun. We have coming up here, or getting him on the phone right now, Dr. Stephen Turley, um, the obsession with the Deb heard trial continues, but he's a, an author and a commentator and has kind of an interesting take on it. Um, and then we were talking, I was reading a, uh, a thing today um, about the, the history of how it all came about with the Washington Post. You're, you're crossing your line. You're crossing your line there. Um, and, just kidding. Um, and one of the things that struck me is just how dastardly the Washington Post and the ACLU and Amber Heard were. I mean, talk about disinformation, right? It's it, it couldn't get more disinformation. Well, made- it, it just shows you how the post is run. How you know it's a how the sausages are made sort of thing. ACLU, Washington Post, they're just really hideous groups of people, um, and it's all coming out. So I mean, whoever the bigger loser between the two of them is, the other loser is certainly the ACLU, and then. Maybe the Washington Post, if you believe anything that's in Washington Post, at least I used to believe things in Washington Post. I longer do. Not anymore. But we've got with us Dr. Stephen Turley, author, commentator, um, has TurleyTalks.com. Hey, Stephen, thank you for your time today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Right. You know, we've been saying Chuck has been obsessed. Chuck is a lawyer and he's been obsessed with the Depp Heard trial. As are other other lawyers I know. I have a lot of friends who are lawyers that are like, I can't get any my trials keep getting in the way of listening. Uh, listen to another trial. <laughs> to another trial. <laughs> So funny because my 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 daughter is, is has been in the process of uh, applying for law schools and she finally committed the other day. So I'm going to have a lawyer in the family at some point as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll have to watch her because they all watch on WebEx and stuff like that now, right? They're like, oh, I was, was right. going to do I was going to do depositions, but Amber Heard was you on know, the stand. <laughs> as a general matter, I don't, I find very little interest in stories that don't have a bigger picture to them. Um, right. And therefore, I'm seldom interested in, let's say, weather events, you know, hurricane hits. And, you know, unless you believe that climate change is changing the world, you know, it's OK, a hurricane hit. OK, there's a tornado. It really doesn't have any long term effect on things. And therefore, my fascination with this uh, indicates to me there is some bigger picture to this. And I think it really is a culture class. And, and although Johnny Depp has being a heartthrob for 30 years, has lots of female admirers. This is really the anti-Me Too trial, and it really does kind of a thing of, you know, Washington Post, ACLU, all organizations we all love to hate, and for good reason. And so I think this really is is an important cultural event, in addition to being unbelievably fascinating and uh, <laughs> sorted, and, right. and sorted, as you love <laughs> And you have a great column up at TrulyTalks.com. Why don't you talk to us about that? Because you and Chuck are kind of in agreement on that. Yeah, well, I, I think what Chuck just said is, is right on. Actually, you really articulated it well. 
Now, now I know why I don't like necessarily <laughs> the Weather Channel, or, or maybe yeah, right. now I know why I am attracted to WWE wrestling. <laughs> there is an overarching meta narrative there, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but I think you're right. Um, I I find the any all the new you know I'm not a trained legal mind, obviously, like Chuck is, or like my daughter's about to be. So I don't know all the nuances of the trial per se. But what I do find so fascinating is precisely this larger narrative that it's uh, that it's pointing to that more and more pundits are writing about, um, and even what they're writing about actually, which is really the death of celebrity. I mean, that's mm-hmm. actually pointing to even itself a larger, uh, really epical narrative, which is uh, really the death of the old secular modernist world. Uh, a lot of scholars, people don't recognize, but we have a lot of scholars writing about the rise of what's something called a post-secular age. And if you feel like the world is falling apart all around you half the time, uh, you're not crazy. It's because it is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the, the world order is, you know, scary and as freaky as it might be, the world order really is changing, and it's moving from a secularized modern age that characterized most of the 19th and 20th centuries, century of an industrial, uh, industrialism, globalism, sort of a one-size-fits-all political and economic system for all people, times, places. We're moving away from that kind of world to a more post-secular, post-modern age that's increasingly characterizing the 21st century. And that's, that's why we're seeing the world map change the way it is. That's why we're seeing such political instability. That's why we're seeing the rise of world religions like never before. And uh, the, the world is going through what scholars call a paradigm shift. And ironically, I think the Depp Heard trial is in its own humble way a very indicative of that shift. So that's that's what I wrote. That's the overarching sort of theme of right. my article. Well, and I think you you talk about and this is true that it used to be you know you wanted to you, actors and actresses you know were and and it was all contrived. Certainly they weren't angels. They weren't any different really. I think than they are today. But they were kind of held in high esteem. They worked hard at maintaining a good image. But you know, like you point out, the thing now you've got Will Smith going up and slapping you know the host <laughs> of the Oscars live on TV, and then his wife does podcasts about it and these people who who keep lecturing us right are shown to have be i mean you know worse than any in-law that you could imagine i mean they're just oh, horrible God. people for the most not that in-laws are horrible but you know what i mean I always oh no no be- you got i mean you got it i mean you you hit the nail on the head so absolutely i, I always the- wondered i always wondered what it'd be like to be a multimillionaire, tens of millionaires, be a heartthrob since I was age 19 to have adoration and everything else and going for you. And this trial tells you it's hell. Johnny Jeff, <laughs> yeah, Lisa, yeah. hell life. I mean, yeah, right. That's the thing. We think it's, we think it's heaven. Uh, and it, right. It turns out to be more like a, yeah, a, a crazy a kind of Nordic lifestyle. Valhalla where yeah. you're, you're in constant warfare with, all the, these demons inside of you, and that's exactly it. You know, it's funny because, I mean, celebrity has changed, as we all know, just 
over the last few decades. So if you look at Walt Disney, old Walt Disney testimonies in Washington, D.C., uh, not that he was a Hollywood celebrity, but he was, a, yeah, he was part of that, that culture. These van, very uh, pro-American, very anti-communist, they all were, uh, you know, uh, they, they were all, Jimmy Stewart was a lifelong Republican, um, they, they were all Ronald Reagan, they were all very stalwart, pro-America, pro-faith, family freedom, that kind of thing. And that, but that was a very important part of the persona that was cultivated right. intentionally by the studio chiefs and the publicity agents. And like you said, uh, there were certainly scandals, no question about that. We're all human, we're all flawed, but they were effectively managed by the PR team for the celebrity, and they had to do that. Because in the end, celebrities were famous not because, well, this is Christopher Lash, the cultural critic, who pointed this out in his work on narcissism. They were, they were famous not because they had actually done anything particularly noteworthy. They didn't fight world, they weren't Winston Churchill and, and, and they didn't save Christian civilization or against this Nazi paganism or something akin to that. They weren't, they didn't save the Union back in, you know, 19, or 1865 or what have you. They are very talented, very wonderful artists, but that's about it. And what made them famous was modern technology and telecommunication that put these people's faces, very, very attractive, very beautiful faces, and their work in front of a, an uh, up to that point unparalleled amount of people, millions upon millions of people. And the end result was that they end up basically becoming famous for being famous, as is right. often referred to uh, about the Kardashians. You know, their right. notoriety came from the fact that modern technology made them highly notable. Right. That in the end, right. that's what they, their notoriety came from the fact that technology made them notable for more people than any actor or actress could have previously achieved. So you had to really intentionally cultivate an image of mystique and, and um, almost paradisical like lives so as to create a celebrity status that then paid wonderful dividends at the box office. And that's right. how Hollywood really functioned for several decades. That was the, it was, celebrity was part of the business model, and as well, we're and all then, finding out, it's basically dead as we speak. Exactly. And, and I think there are a number of reasons for that, too. I mean, in, in part because, you, yeah, you have all these like Amber Heard is now more famous for for this than she ever was as an actress. Right. Um, right. And 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 I think you also have. I mean, you go on TikTok. I mean, there, it's kind of like the music industry in a way. It's like everybody's making their own music, and somebody who's just sitting in their basement, like us, can suddenly become this TikTok star and is invited to the Met Gala. Uh, but, but that 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 goes. Which we need to go to. Yeah, which we need. To, we were our invitation got lost, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right, but it's so true. It's it's actually there's a term for it. It's called the network society, and, and so back in and again, it's another indicator that we're moving into a different kind of world. So back in the day, if I wanted to make it into country music, you know, I had to do what 
what every other aspiring country music musician did, and I have to pick up and I'd travel to Nashville, or if I want to make it into the gambling industry, I have to pick up and go out to uh, Las Vegas, or if I want to make it into finance, I have to pick up and go to Wall Street. We it was a it was a proximity centered world, and it tended to be centered around mass industrialized urban areas. And that's, of course, where we got our big media, right? You were just talking about the Washington Post. Well, our big media are urban, industrialized, modernist media. New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times, Chicago Tribune, on and on and on. Those days were over. Those days were over. If I want to make it big in country music, I just need a guitar and a webcam. You know, if I want to make make it into um, the gambling industry, I just have to set up an online uh, gambling system. If I want to make it into finance, I can make it in finance anywhere in the world because we're no longer related to each other by virtue of proximity. We're related to each other now by virtue of networks, particularly Internet networks. And that's why the mainstream media is collapsing as we speak because they no longer have a monopoly over the information, the information's been radically decentralized. It's digital. It's instantaneous. It's very much. It's very much like the way email and texting and instant messaging replaced the post office. And right. the media can no longer dictate to us now what's legitimate news any more than the post office can dictate to us what's legitimate mail. They're trying. It's an astonishing thing happening. That's what we well, have out before that these actors are not Winston Churchill in, in 1945, um, but they played Winston Churchill in 1945 in the movie. <laughs> right, but they played one on TV. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and it's human transference. You've watched this whole thing. It's believable. It's Winston Churchill. You know, you go you the whole oh, yeah, yeah. roll yeah. that, and then all of a sudden you you get off and you think, well, that's still in your brain that that whoever it is. Um, Anthony Hopkins is Winston Churchill, and yes. and part of the reason that celebrity has died is is because we don't have very many heroic roles anymore. No, uh, you know, you're you're you're. I mean, Johnny Depp. Um, when they said, "Well, you know, is this really going to hurt him that he was heavily an alcoholic and into cocaine?" They went, "No." What do you think he plays? <laughs> he plays a pirate who is always drunk. That somebody says you, Johnny Depp, is a drunk. You, I know that. I watch Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, that's that's why it's all changed. It's so true. It's it's more uh, a biopic, right? Uh, you know, autobiographical. It's interesting you say that because um, back in the 1970s, uh, Franco Zeffirelli did uh, the Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, film that big massive epic film they showed it on you know live TV uh, Monday on Holy Week Monday through Thursday and then Friday was the three hour climax no no commercials no interruptions it was you know again we were we were still very much a Christian nation yeah. back then Robert Powell who played Jesus in that film talks about that in some of his interviews and. He was living with his girlfriend at the time, and as he was beginning and preparing for the role, he proposed to her. And she said, why? Why are we getting married? He's like, look, if I'm going to be playing Jesus Christ, i got to get my life together. <laughs> so there's this amazing, I love the way you put it, there was a continuity between the kind of character that you played and the kind of life that you played. Yeah. His name escapes me, but the father from the Waltons, um, he, oh, yeah. he went through the yeah he went through the same thing. 
he was a big drinker and partier and everything, and then he got this role, he landed this role, and he recognized, all right, now I'm going to be, I'm going to be, in, for better or for worse, I'm going to be a role model for people, and i got to right. live better now. Right. We're living in an age, we're living in an age now where your typical university prof who teaches ethics on Monday morning. <laughs> you know how he's living on the weekends? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care, right? He doesn't care. It's, it's just, let's talk about Plato and Aristotle. We don't believe in this stuff anymore. Right. But I got to, you know, it's part of the curriculum. So this is part of kind of the implosion of the modern world. It's falling apart. And the good news, I think, is that there is a a, a new breeze blowing, as it were, of... Going back, it's called retraditionalization, and and um, you know I don't know how many people saw if you got to see The Northman yet. It's a very interesting movie because, oh. yeah, I mean in many lady. respects, yeah, mm-hmm. in many respects, you know, there's not a woke, there's not a woke bone in the body of the film. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, and it and it is. It's a, it's a film about ancient conceptions of honor. And uh, and betrayal and uh, you know rectitude and love and and choice and fate and or, and the interplay between the gods and humans and even oh, animals and all that. It. It's uh-huh. yeah, it's an amazing mythical world that uh, that inspired great epics. And then of course that that are are the. Uh, Christian faith that grounds our Western civilization provides uh, an extraordinary solution for as well. So it's, it's well, you know, they, they talked about in, in fiction, certainly in England in the 19th century you had, and early 20th century, all these heroic English figures who were going out to the Antarctic and dying out there or, or, or doing whatever else they were doing in India. And they were very Explorers. much, yeah, they were very much. And they said that had a huge effect on how, Average Englishmen acted in in yeah, fact when yeah. they were when they were addressing a a, a real crisis. They didn't go, well, hell, I don't want to. They'd kind of go, oh, okay, I'm I'm supposed to be Amberson. Yeah, that's it, that's it. I'll be brave and, and they were, right. they were. Of yeah. course, now we have we're all whiny and, and we're all victims. Yeah, yeah. well, c- can you imagine taking a Viking warrior and putting him <laughs> on a university <laughs> campus and they're going to go, no, that's a tr- that's a micro trigger there with that hat jacket. Yeah, we, already have, we already have. They're already they're already uh, you know the Guardian and uh, some of these British papers are already talking about the white supremacy of the Northmen and all. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. It's already happening. It is. Well, you know, there is one other piece of hope, too. And, and that's what I want to talk to you here in a second, too, about where are we going. But I was reading a thing today, um, and it was talking about the resurgence of Snapchat. Now, we have an 11-year-old, so he's on Snapchat. And he's mostly on it because you can put, like, dog faces on your head and stuff like right, that, right? right. But what was what this was saying is, is there's been a resurgence there um, and this the Gen, Gen Z, whoever they are. Um, but, they invade Russia. Yeah, they invade uh, Russia. But, yeah, really, but they were saying that these people now, it's not all about followers. They're like, I don't want I mean, I'm sick of having trolls and I put a comment out there and people I don't even know trash me. Right. And all these trolls right. trash me. I just want an account that I can limit now to my friends. I, I don't. And it's it's shifted. It used to be there was this massive push. I'll go. How many followers? do you have and there's now and this whole sort of generation is turning away from that and saying i don't want to deal with that um i just want to talk and have a conversation and share you know my baby pictures with my friends so yeah, i think there yeah, is yeah, some yeah. some hope at least uh, to me i take that as a, a ray of hope basically oh yeah yeah absolutely you're right no it's, it's definitely uh 
the volatility of the network society is starting to wane a bit as well. It's starting to find a nice norm. And, yeah, inevitably we're going to be connected by networks. There's just no social networks and the, and the like. We're, we're doing it right now through, right. through the telecommunicative advances of, our, of, of modern age. But, uh, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think the, a lot of the, uh, the social media culture ended up doing exactly what we saw with Depp and Heard. It actually revealed uh, the, the world of the celebrity as very sordid and, and pathetic and ridiculous. And I, and I mean this actually in empathetic ways. I mean, it's kind of right, sad right. to watch it. You know, you, they have the world. I mean, I just there was an article. That I, just, I didn't read it. I just saw the headline, How Johnny Depp Blew Through $500 Million. <laughs> what kind of person does that? You know, right. How does somebody get five hundred million and not even think about investing it? You know, right. I mean, that's just something. Something's not right there, and it's and it's very sad, and it's certainly not emulative. No, certainly not you? like what we've done. Uh, again, what we heard earlier, which is so perfect. It's yeah, like certainly you're... not the case of the the, the movies of old, the, the literature, art, architecture. Uh, music and poetry that have inspired grandeur and and acts of virtue. That's that again. That's not what you're going to get. And I think young people are are hungry for that. They're searching yes. for that again. And that's why we're seeing the rise of classical education happening. There's only about ten classical schools that focus on truth, goodness, and beauty in the great books and so forth in the 1990s. Today, there are over 500. They're exploding. So there's obviously an appetite for it. Well, people are homeschooling. Well, where do you? Well, well, I used to watch European movies when I was a lot younger, and, and a lot of them would be Cinema Verte and and Slice of Life, and I'd kind of go, I don't want a slice of life. Uh, you know, I I'm live like, a slice of I'm life. Like, right, I want something right, that's right. heroic yeah. or different or <laughs> exciting. I don't want to see my life reflect on the screen. I live it. Um, yeah. And so I think there's more of that today where people go, I, you know, I want to see heroic figures. Okay, they're bullshit. I mean, I still want to see them. Exactly. Exactly, and and that and there. I I'm assuming you're 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 um, you're asking Julie like where are we going here right. with yeah. With, yeah. with all this and yeah I do I think um, I I do think the celebrity was as I I flesh out in the article was a kind of idol a kind of you know God um, a sort of I wouldn't say a religion the I think the the technical term is a functional equivalence. Uh, to religion, that, that pop culture in general just filled the void left by yeah. uh, historic religion in the midst of our secular age. It provided a sense of identity and meaning and the like. But I think what's happening is we're, we're, we're seeing it throughout the world. It's not just here in the States. We seem to be going back. We seem to be looking uh, for more authenticity found in our history. I mean, even even the left wing is going in this direction. I think in many respects, sort of the BLM movement is sort of a, uh, you know, a, a tribalized kind of re-traditionalization that's trying to get back in touch with a, with a lost past. We're seeing it certainly in Russia, where the, the rhetoric for, for why Ukraine, at least Eastern Ukraine should be sort of sucked back into that that um, Russo-sphere is, is, I mean, Putin is talking about going back to a thousand years ago when, when Prince Vladimir was baptized in Crimea and 
I mean, you're seeing it in India uh, with the rise of the, the Bharatiya Janata Party, the BJP. Mm-hmm. They're a Hindu nationalist party, the biggest Democrat party on the planet. Uh, even China is arguing that they're reading more Confucius today than they are uh, the Marx. Everyone seems to be going back, and and that's the post-secular age. A post-secular age is an age where we we recover our our nation's culture, customs, traditions. We we start moving away from uh, say like you know laws like Roe v. Wade, for example, where that that looks like it's going to get overturned because it. It made sense in the 70s, but it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense anymore in terms of the jurisprudence today, and it's, it's a fascinating time. It really yeah. is. It, it's, a very, uh, it's clearly a very disruptive time, but it is a, you mentioned Gen Z. We have stats out now that show Gen Z is the most, ironically, the most conservative and most religious generation we have on record, even more conservative religious than uh, than uh, Gen-, Gen X or, or Millennials uh, or the Baby Boomers um, when they were 18. So when you ask a Baby Boomer back, say, in the 50s, oh, yeah. when they were 18, are you conservative? Only about 16 17% would say they were. Today it's 30%. It's an astonishing, wow. yeah, it's an astonishing yeah. job. Now, that's still, you still got 70% saying, you know, they're, they're left-wing wackos, but, <laughs> but, but that's but 30 that's okay. Yeah, but, yeah that's 30% when you combine it with, when you compare it, I should say, with my generation, Gen X, or, or with the uh, baby boomer generation, it's pretty astonishing, because we were saying it, uh, we were identifying as conservative only at about 20%, well, at the age of 18. And I think, you know, like I said, we have an 11-year-old and it's, who's going into middle school next year. And it's just interesting watching him deal. And I think they are dealing with and seeing all these these things pushed on them by these liberal adults and they're having right, to deal right. with it. And I mean, they, he had, like he was, I was telling the story, he was playing a video game and it was a shoot 'em up video game. And he, he says, he goes, Hey, I self identify as an attack helicopter. And I just got <laughs> you. And it's kind of like, I love it. Yeah. So it's like at school, he's dealing with and he knows it's nonsense. Right. And I think the the, the Gen Z, whoever comes after them, my son's age, I think they're going to be the most common sense, practical. I mean, they're yeah. going to be our hope, I think, because they've been we've forced this stuff down their throats and their response is like, it's a joke. OK, we're not doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. They're being called actually uh, one publications calling them. The Jordan Peterson generation, All interestingly right. enough. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Stephen, where can people be better let you go? You've yeah, been wonderful. wonderful. Just where, great. where can people find out what you're doing and what you're writing? Oh, thanks for that, Chuck and Julie. Yeah, they can uh, go to my website. It's uh, Turley Talks, my last name, T-U-R-L-E-Y, talks, like tedtalks.com, or they could just punch me in Dr. Steve on YouTube, we're hitting almost 900,000 subs, so it's really exciting. Whoa. Wow. We were banned last year. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I have to watch what I say. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey, thank Take you for care. your time. You've been great. great. I appreciate you. it. Thanks so much, Chuck and Julie. My pleasure. Yeah, there we go. Dr. Stephen Turley there. He is great. Turleytalks.com, T-U-R-L-E-Y, talks.com. Well, you know, and one other thing, too, because we want to talk about some developments. uh, You're going to be shocked to know that there are more uh, 
questions coming up about um, Chrissy Burton Brown, um, and we'll get to that in a second. But one thing I did want to say is with this whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing, I was unaware, and you have been obsessed with it, but I was reading a column, great column in The Federalist today, talking about how the whole thing came to be. And it's more evil and dastardly than I even thought. I mean, I thought at the very least, I mean, I figured, okay, well, Amber Heard didn't write it. She had help, but it was her idea and she reached out and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, no, the Washington Post and the ACLU sort of on their own wanted to attack Trump and wanted to do something about how gender domestic violence, as opposed to what other, what other kind of domestic violence is there. But at any rate, yeah, had increased under Trump. And so they wanted to, so they came up with the idea first based on nothing. There was no factual basis. Right. Well, exactly. Talk about disinformation. And so then they thought, okay, well, what can we get to do in the ACLU? It's like, well, Amber Heard just gave us a bunch of money. Let's get her. And they, let's make her ambassador. And that, well, in the depositions, they keep calling it her ad. Right. Not her her op-ed, but her ad. And the Washington Post, rather than saying, well, do we have any evidence that Johnny Depp abused her? They're like, well, we won't. I mean, no one cared. Right. So they wanted to do this op-ed to trash Trump, use Amber Heard. And And, and Amber Heard had a movie coming up, Aquaman. Right. um, And she wanted all the great publicity she get as a survivor of domestic violence. So they figured, okay, that'll slide in just perfectly. She got five million for that film. Right. And um, the Washington Post got clicks. The ACLU got a bunch of money and donations and, and the rest is history. And it all would have. But no one cared about what was going to happen to Johnny Depp. Right. Well, no, her, her adding was, say, hey, can I put Johnny's name in there? Because that'll really get in the name. You know, you got that nice solution. Well, what about that TRO? I, I hooked up with my little buddies and that was a real, uh, well, you know, he can mention that, but don't. don't I mean, the whole thing, it was just, there was, so it wasn't as if she was a domestic violence victim, had this thing, survived it, and they were sympathetic and wanted to help get the word out. No, they wanted to trash Trump and kind of looked around and said, who can we use? And she's like, hey, I'm available. And I got this movie come out and I'm gorgeous. And so boom, they did it. And, you know, it would have worked if Johnny Depp hadn't said, hello, excuse me, you ruined my career and my (laughs) life. You know, and so it's, I mean, it's just atrocious there. 10 million for her Aquaman too, which I was amazed that she could. Well, even though that's like a million dollars a minute. Um, This is from Charlene. Oh, she liked him. I like the way he talks about positive trends. Exactly. Jordan Peterson generation. I like that. Then Charlene is like, she's the ambassador for fake abuse. And then Sandra, (laughs) I agree, Sandra. I think it's called pure evil. Well, that's a thing. And that's why we have to be, when did, I mean, it, there's such a thing as misinformation, right? That's information that's wrong. But they well, don't that, talk about that. But the person doesn't that. know it. See, that, uh, the, well, no, the, this is disinformation. Disinformation Dis- intentionally wrong. Right. The other one, you just don't, you don't care. And, but you don't know it's false. Well, but, but disinform- is. No, disinformation is as he. No, miss is without malice. This is with men. Well, what, what I'm what I believe is it's just a term they made up. Well, and, and it's all terms are terms. Well, and, are made up. What, and Glenn Greenwell had the great comment. He's talking about where. So now all of a sudden we have these experts on disinformation. It's like, what does that even mean? Would that be maybe Clapper and all those intelligence guys <laughs> who said the Hunter laptop was disinformation? Or they are experts. But I don't care about that. Right. This Nana Jankowitz or Nina Jankowitz is, Nina. is eminently qualified in disinformation. And so it's I, neutral. You can see that on her on her like, uh, well, where is there some degree that she got about disinformation it's like no and then uh, today weingarten the um head of the teachers union is now pushing facebook 
um, of which apparently the teachers union owns a bunch of shares to go ahead and block disinformation for for the kids sake. I mean, they just make it up. And because I think they know that people don't like censorship. So they can't say we're going to censor you. So they say, but we have to stop disinformation for the children, for the kids, to keep you safe, right? You so can't learn that the teachers don't care, about right? It. Yeah, it's 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 we got to keep you safe, and they think people will go along. But I think it's an overreach, and we can't for a second, I think, go ahead and go along with it. Um, yeah, this is the FBI that are following people in regarding the January six. Um, Charlene, she said an old clip of Amber Heard talking about her barrel racing days. Oh. She could be on Yellowstone or something. <laughs> Probably not. Well, well, she, no, her father is very much a cowboy. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you want to talk about then the, the latest controversy? Which latest controversy? All right. Which is the latest controversy? So I was, um, I got an email, the other, me and like 8 million, no, a bunch of other people um, from Christy Burton Brown and the Colorado Republican Party inviting me for a mere, I was like 200 bucks. So I'm not going, but it was a luncheon, the May Capital Club luncheon and big headlines, Christy Burton Brown with um, Senate candidate Joe O'Day. Um, and then underneath it, it had Ron Hanks was invited, but did not confirm. Right. And I'm like, I thought to myself, Two things. I thought that's odd that Ron Hanks wouldn't confirm. You'd think he'd want to be there. Um, And secondly, I thought that's also odd that she put that there. It just seemed kind of weird to me. Well, come to find out. And I think the uh, Ron Hanks team are working on putting out a response today. Um, This is my understanding. And Chuck, you have had some conversations about this, too. So Ron Hanks, as you know, was the overwhelming uh, candidate selected at the Colorado Republican primary. The only one. The only one. The only one who had enough to get on the ballot. Joe O'Day um, did not go the assembly route. He petitioned on the ballot, but he has become clearly the conservative favorite. No, no, not the conservative favorite. Well, the conservative establishment. Establishment. I misspoke there. We had Ron Hanks. You had people like, just to set the stage, Dick Wadhams, all kinds of people freaking out, saying that the, the election deniers are taking over and the Republican Party is doomed and don't vote for them and I won't vote for them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you got, that's what made me think, that's weird that Ron Hanks didn't confirm. And so from what I understand, Ron Hanks's campaign is saying, we don't have any record that we can find of us receiving an email or a phone call about that. Now, as I understand it, I'm not sure what Christy Burton Brown's response is, but I do know that the campaign is like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't get it. Or if, if we did, we can't find it. No one noticed it. Um, I think they don't want to say somebody's lying here. And I think everybody knows anything is possible, but they're saying we certainly didn't get it. But here's my thing. And Chuck, to me, this is Christy Burton Brown, once again, like she did with the Tina Peters, when she said Tina Peters should resign right. and, not, and not run because of the- She was neutral. Because of the- She was neutral, but demanded that she resign. Completely partisan hack, Jenna Griswold attack against her. Um, yeah, she was neutral, but she should resign. Um, and that would leave only Pam Anderson up there. There you go. Um, I think this is her attempt, again, to put her finger on the scales, because it seems to me that if you're um, Chrissy Burton Brown, I mean, before you put something like that out, you have to make, I think, every reasonable attempt to try to get hold of him. Now, I'm not sure if she did or didn't. All I know is from what I gather, the Ron Hanks people are saying, we didn't hear anything. We didn't get anything. And then and Ron Hanks is like, no one called me. So I think at the very least, before you put that out in an invitation, Ron Hanks was invited, but didn't confirm. You make darn sure. But what I do know also is that the Ron Hanks people have called and said, look, we did not receive it. If there was a miscommunication, whatever. It's not for a month. It's not till May 20. 
Uh, yeah, toward the May 26th, I would love to be there, you know. And then she said, no. And no, you, no, I said you can come, but you can't talk. You can come, but you can't talk because Joe O'Day wants to be the only one talking. Oh, okay. Well, of course he does. You know, of course he does. If I were, if I were Ron Hanks, I'd want to be the only one talking. I want to be the only one but talking when, in this when, show. When, when, but, when you invite someone to come on this program, um, you know, you, you send an email or something. They don't they don't respond to you, and you want them. Well, you call them, and or you yeah. send them over. I mean, you know, you go, oh well, that's it. I tried, and they bambled at us, and wouldn't let us on. Christy's just lying through her her home educated law degree. I mean, she's just lying, just like she did. I've seen there was another Capitol Hill luncheon earlier. I think it was Capitol Hill. It was it was. Uh, Heidi Ganahl and Christy Burton Brown. I, I didn't see one for Greg Lopez, though. Um, just amazing. Well, yeah, maybe amazing. he didn't confirm. Well, that's the thing, I, I guess. And so, even that's just go ahead. So, so I guess you guys may be reading stuff because in some of the Colorado political blogs and things like that, this has become quite the to do. And they, like I said, they were working on putting something out, so we may get somebody from the Ron Hanks campaign. He is busy in the final two days of the yeah, legislature. Yeah, He's like yeah. slam. But I just think one that. I, I have that's just put it this way. I have questions about it, right? If the Ron Hanks campaign people are saying we don't have a record of receiving it, Ron Hanks is apparently saying, I don't have anything on my voicemail. Um, and you know I'm at the legislature. Um, you know, it's I have plenty of campaign people, none of them can find an email. And that's a kind of thing, that's kind of a big deal, right? That's the kind of thing that you think well, you would notice. follow up on it if you're at all and you wouldn't put it. In, in the, the uh, in email, the he, he, we invited him, but somehow he couldn't. And show that's up. just even say worst case scenario, or not worst case scenario, giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, right? Um, now that the Ron Hanks people say, hey, look, no, we want to come. We're happy to come. If you're Christy Burton Brown and you don't want to put your thumb on the scale, then you say, okay, fine, Ron, you can talk, right? And then you say to Joe O'Day, Joe O'Day says, well, I RSVP'd for you. I mean, you know, and he, I just want to be the only one to talk. You say, I'm sorry, Joe, but this is a Republican you see her thing. Push me? Interpersonal <laughs> violence. Gender. Interpersonal Gender. violence. Uh, I was pretending you were running. You're shoving me. I'm going down. My head is there. I got the bruise here. Oh, God. Interpersonal violence, everybody. Now, Your witnesses. Why not interpersonal gender? Gender, gender. It's hard to keep track. But anyway, back to my point, Chuck. And that is now that the Ron Hanks people have said, look, we didn't find it. We want to come because the the, the primary is June, right? Mm-hmm. June 28th. And when do the ballots go out? Well, I think they're already sitting nah. Soon, right? So, I mean, so if you're Ron Hanks and you want to wait till she's apparently she said you can talk in June. Well, it's like, well, when is that? Is that after the primary? Is that right before the primary? Is it after people mail the balance? And if you're Chrissy Burton Brown, you say, look, this is an important election and we have two candidates and and she doesn't have to say this, but we all know these are two candidates with very different approaches. That's Put it that way. Does and, Joe have an approach? Um, he wants to be senator, oh. um, and he wants to take all the establishment money. Oh, okay. um, no, that's. I'm sorry, Joe Dave. You can call up if that's not your stance. But it does seem to. Doesn't it seem to you that if you're Christy, Burton, if it is, that'd be good. <laughs> but yeah, if you're Christy Burton Brown. You don't say, well, Joe Day says he doesn't want Ron talking. Of course, he doesn't want Ron talking. That's why you're the chairperson, because then you say, right, Ron, but it's a Republican Party event. If it were your own campaign appearance, you could say, hey, Ron can't talk. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's a pub- it's a Republican Party event. People are going to be paying to go to it. And so if it doesn't matter what Joe O'Day wants. Right. Why is he running the show? 
at, at something like this. If, if Chrissy Burton Brown should be running the show and she should be saying Ron Hanks gets to talk. Okay. If I was, had Ron, some H- kind of if I was Ron Hanks, I'd make this a huge deal. I'd come out against Christy Burton Brown and the establishment claim they're rigging it and really go to town. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, this now here's some comments. This is from Charlene. Oh, my goodness. People start heckling and booing her. Um, and then um, Sandra saying, agree, Charlene. I get her emails um, regarding the Republican Party and now start questioning you. And then she said, no more watching Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> no more Amber hurting me. Well, yeah, I mean, but that goes more to Chuck. What you one of the things you wanted to talk about, too, is the the civil war within the Republican Party. And I mean, to me, that seems like like a sneaky tactic that Christy Burton Brown is doing. No, she's not the whole thing. You know, she well, says she's "quote unquote" neutral on whether we should have a Republican-only primary, and she did everything in the world to make sure uh, that we didn't succeed. She was about as as uh, neutral as as Hitler during World War II, right? Um, and it was a joke, and, and, and she's turned into a joke. She's just she's just an establishment hen. Um, and and Ron ought to go after because you know he's got to mix things up. So, right. And real quick, back to the Depp Hurd stuff. This is from Karen. I'm a pox on both their houses. Um, remember when Depp said it's time to bring back presidential assassinations? That's because Trump was in office. Can you imagine if a conservative said that now? Well, if a conservative said it, you'd already be banned, so you couldn't yeah, say yeah. it, Karen. No, it would never happen. But if you're a liberal and you want to say it, that's totally fine. But talk a little bit about, though, I, and again, because I think this whole, the Ron Hanks thing and the Republican Party saying, oh, you didn't get her invitation, too bad. And no, Joe O'Day doesn't want you to talk, so we're not going to let you, um, even though it's a Republican event, and technically I, Christy Burton Brown, I'm in charge, but I'm going to let Joe O'Day run the show. Um, but you said this is happening in other states too. It's not just a- Colorado. Almost every state, almost, maybe not Florida, but but almost yeah. every other state. You, you've got the MAGA people, America First. Um, they they they're big into election integrity and, and everything else. And the other side is we got to move on to 2024, and and they they're supported <laughs> by Chambers of Commerce uh-huh. and Mitt Romney and the and the Lincoln Project and well, the Uniparty people. Well, but it's more just local businesses. In Ohio, okay. they had the big fight between um, the one Trump backed, which is J.D. Vance. Um, and I forget, who, do you remember who the other, his opponent was? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I never, um, yeah. the, the, it was a huge, huge fight. Um, and the Chamber of Commerce came all out against J.D. Vance. And they're saying, no, they came out against uh, the so-called don't gay bill, don't say gay in Ohio. They said, no, no, we've got to get the greatest talent we can here and the more transgender, that's better. I mean, the whole thing, and it's repeated itself in Pennsylvania, uh, in Missouri, and wherever Trump endorses somebody, Karl Rove goes and finds an ex-girlfriend to accuse the person of, <laughs> of uh, groping them or pushing them, as it happened to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Another, another, oh, another, 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 another gender <laughs> domestic violence <laughs> kind My of thing. is looking better and better. <laughs> um, well, it, it is a civil war, and I think. Um, you know, it, and it, we've talked about this a lot on this show, and I know a lot of our listeners agree with this. And if you don't, feel free to put it out there, and and we'll we'll you know debate it with you. But but there there is this group of Republicans who want to remain in power because they want to remain in influence and they want to remain with the money. I mean, you look at the amount of money flowing around from consultants and donors and things like that. And, um, 
And they don't care if they lose. Um, they would, in fact, they're happier if they lose because then nothing is their fault. And rather than get people in there, you know, so those are the people that you elect and they go to Washington and they do, you know, they vote with Mitch McConnell. Um, they, what do you they love vote with here in Adams County? We've got a little cabal of, of uh, lefties who so we're not rhinos. No, no, don't call us rhinos. That hurt. That's a triggering event. Um, and, and they'll do everything to destroy Trump. Um, and they're trying to take over the party in Adams County. If they do, it'll kill the Republican Party of Adams County. Uh, their leader resigned the other day, but there's plenty more of them, including some people you know, Julie. I don't know about that, but I do know that um, it is important for grassroots people to speak out and to stand up and speak out because I think people want to get involved in politics now. And I think people... Um, there are factions like if you listen to, to some of the things like Christy Burton Brown, if you just saw that invitation back to the Ron Hanks thing, you'd be mm-hmm. like, huh, I wonder why Ron Hanks didn't RSVP. That seems rude even, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Well, and then you dig into it. And, you know, I mean, so it's important that you stand up. And I and I agree with you. I hope Ron Hanks kind of makes a big deal about this and says, again, you know, talk about putting your your thumb on this. I mean, if, if if it was a Joe O'Day event or if you were a Joe O'Day donor or something like that, then that's one thing. But if you're the Republican Party and you're supposed to be neutral um, and, and there's plenty of time, it's not like it's this afternoon. Right. And I would say even if it's this afternoon, I mean, what the heck? I, I'm not sure what Joe O'Day has to say, but all these people go into a lunch and, uh, you know, there's I'm sure there's time for squeeze Ron Hanks in there, too, even if it were this afternoon. But it's well, not interesting to hear him to speak, you know, I mean, right. And it's it is interesting. I mean, a perfect example, the divide in Colorado, it's up in Weld County. Um, the Greeley Republican women are very much a MAGA first America, uh, very conservative, just a great group. Um, the, the opposite group is the Weld County women who are very lefty, very much into uh, not Trump, although they won't say it, very much into um, establishment people. And so you have two really competing women's groups, that, and depending on which one you belong to, um, you're either um, a lefty or... or well, and here's from, from Charlene, since Colorado has a gold standard of elections, if yeah. the Republicans lose, it's because of KBB, since a red wave is sleeping, sweeping the country. You know, another thing, though, too, with that is when you look at the elections, I think this is interesting. This is coming out now, too. So 2,000 mules, which we haven't seen yet, but we're going to have to, like, so it premiered. At, um, you could go see it live in the theaters last week. It's now, I think, on Rumble is running it, and there are plenty of links to it. I think you have to buy it still at this point. But they made like a million dollars in 12 hours. Tucker Carlson, to his credit, had Catherine Engelbrecht from True the Vote on. But apparently, according to Dinesh D'Souza, had to swear. She had to swear that she would not mention the movie. So why do you have these conservative organizations? This just drives me crazy. The more I read about this, you cannot deny that the ballot harvesting occurred. Okay, you just you can't deny it. There's plenty of pictures. And in fact, apparently now I don't mean to keep going. The ballot harvesters are being told. The beatings continue. (laughs) You know, I loved her so much. But but, but, when it was great, it was great. But the, but the beatings, the beatings, <laughs> and, and no matter how much I outcried, 
They continued. They continued. All right, stop, stop, stop. The ballot harvesters are now being told to leave their cell phones at home when they ballot harvest, right? They're not being told, oh, maybe. But I mean, so any Republican or any, any, I mean, even if Fox weren't a conservative, why do they not want to talk about this? Because if they don't stop it, they're going to lose, right? And so why not say, why is Fox, I mean, you got to wonder about the clout of somebody somewhere that, and, and I'm, I'm sure Dinesh D'Souza is not lying about that, right? Sure. Was told, okay, she, you know, she could do the interview and she could talk about the ballot harvesting a little bit, but not about the movie 2000 Mules, the documentary, which spells it out. Who is pulling those strings? Well, the one right? who's telling, is telling her is Suzanne Scott, who's a head of programming. Who's telling Suzanne Scott is probably Paul Ryan and other board members. Uh, but Suzanne Scott is always one who's, who's celebrating diversity days. And, but when you talk uh, about this disinformation, I go back to let people watch it. And if they have a response to it, if they say, oh, I don't believe it, I think it's like, that's fine. But why would you want to prevent people from watching it? Because you don't want to, you, you don't want them to gain any credence. No. Well, because people, which is not working. I told you last Friday when I Googled where to see it, right? I was looking for showtimes. On Google, only two stories came up about 2,000 mules, a documentary. Both of them were trashing the documentary. And everything else was about mules, like the animal in history, right? But when I I went on DuckDuckGo, there were pages of it. So clearly. That's the exact same thing. And it went on today. And now they're pages on Google because Google, oh, we got caught. <laughs> um, Charlene, they have to keep us believing the elections are legitimate or there goes our perception that we have a democracy. Right. Well, and again, Charlene, that's why like this great Glenn Greenwald column, this whole disinformation, as Steve Turley said at the beginning, um, they're clearly losing, the corporate media is losing, I don't even want to say the narrative, they're just losing relevance. There's so many other avenues on the internet that they can't control. So they need to have big tech crack down. They need to put out this... Um, and, and now we've got it codified. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually a government agency now that will start um, deciding. It's an in-office working group now. Right, they, they right. That's, gonna, that's going to tell us what's information and what's disinformation and what you are or are not allowed to say. Um, you know, you've got the teachers union pushing Facebook on disinformation. I, I mean, that's their plan. I don't think it's going to work. I think they so much of the stuff they put out, this disinformation turns out to be true. And that's why... I know there have been some people saying, why is, you know, true social taking so long? And it is because in the Internet, you have to have a completely uh, protected and safe platform, right? right? You put something on Amazon Cloud. I mean, really, how long do you think it is before the Amazon Cloud services start saying, like they did to Mike Lindell, you can't use credit cards on our site. You can't right. promote on our site. You can't have your website hosted on our site. Because I think that's all coming um, the good news is it, there is also coming all of these other platforms that are willing to have free speech on there. Um, and we'll see what Elon Musk does. That's pretty interesting, too. Well, in, in order to be a free speech advocate, I, I would like to welcome anyone from the women of Weld County um, to come on and explain why the the belief that they're they're. Uh, really just hiding conservatives, but really rhinos. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anyone out there who's been called a rhino and thinks they're not, come on and make your case, and we'll let you. And Charlene, we'll let you come on. <laughs> and tear them apart. <laughs> so we'll be the we'll be the neutral host. <laughs> We're neutral. Let Kitchy Burton Brown. We're neutral. Yeah. I don't know if they're a communist front or not, but we're neutral. Hey, um, I, we're, we have Ron Hanks coming on on Wednesday, on Friday, rather, after the session is over. Um, I'm 
Wednesday, I think we will probably talk a little bit more about that because I just think it's important to get the truth out. But that's going to do it for us. Thank you to the guys at BBS, Steve Turley. Love all of you guys on Zoom. Remember, you can get the show any format, podcast, uh, rumble, whatever. Just go to chuckandjulie.com. There are links to everything. Um, And we will see you all on Friday. Not Friday. We'll see you on Friday, but we'll see you Wednesday. Friday is already coming fast. (laughs) We'll We'll see see you you on Wednesday. Now for the beating, more beatings. No. (laughs) Take <laughs> it.